We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Roll damn tide, baby. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And we're delighted to welcome in Pete Futek, College Football News, and he joins us on the uh, the Score Hotline, which, of course, is brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Pete, good morning. How are you? Wait, am I am I on the game in Tuscaloosa here? Yeah. You know, opening with this? <laughs> I, I go on there every time. They, they play that nonstop. It's like they love that song. And they just, they stay on brand with that all the time. But uh, good morning, guys. How you guys been? Well, in, in uh, Birmingham, they love the governor. Um, I don't know if you've heard or not. Uh, look, we're trying to figure out the Tommy Reese move. And to us, Pete, it's a no-brainer. I mean, you want to move up in the world? You go and be the offensive coordinator at Alabama. If, uh, if Nick Saban's sending the plane for you, you get on it and you go take the job. And there's, there's little doubt that this will uh, increase the profile of Tommy Reese and, and perhaps get him on a fast track to a head coaching job. It's, it, it is that next step up. And you, it's, it's a little bit off for, you know, for Saban, what, what he's great at. And it's, it's one of the big advantages of being a program like Alabama where you can go get, for example, a Bill O'Brien or a Steve Sarkeesian or, you know, any one of these, you know, ex- you know, head coaches who are A-list talent coaches, and you can do whatever you want with them and say, hey, look, you know, we're going to put you in the bottom of the rung, the ladder rung here, and you're going to sit in the back of the room, and uh, you're going to kind of rehabilitate yourself, but you know that you're going to get uh, a bigger gig coming out of this. Well, this is a little bit different because Reese is a, is a hot talent when it comes to, you know, kind of reforming what they need to do, and I... I, boy, it, it, Alabama fans are never going to be happy. I mean, they, they, I thought Bill O'Brien got a bad rap when it came to uh, what that offense did. He certainly was not the problem. The offense was better than it got credit for, considering they didn't have the talent at receiver that they've had in the past years. Uh, and they were their problem was on defense, not offense. But Bill O'Brien was the reason for a lot of Alabama fans that they didn't win a national championship this year. And so pressure's on. You know, Tommy Reese has got the, you know, he's a he's a young, you know, up and coming talent. Where if there's a little bit of a tweak, and certainly they, it's Alabama, they've got the talent there. There's going to be a question at quarterback. They don't have a sure thing. You know, Mac Jones or Bryce Young uh, coming up yet. It's going to be a quarterback battle. Uh, but it's he's got all the talent in the world to work with. And no pressure, just win a national championship because your offense is better, Tommy Reese. On the other hand, Pete, Tim Brown, the former Notre Dame Heisman Trophy winner and, and analyst, was on Twitter on Sunday, and he referred to Tommy Reese's offenses at Notre Dame as being the most predictable he'd ever seen. So I don't know <laughs> if there's everybody that's necessarily going to miss his input on, on uh, Freeman's staff. And I, and I just wonder... 
it, was there an element of, okay, you know, he was going to be blocked if he ever wanted to become the head coach in Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman is there first. And to be a head coach, he had to go elsewhere. So there, there might have been, an, uh, as much as people might have been surprised by this news, maybe people close to the program weren't that surprised at all. No, but the, the thing about it is if you were going to see what Tommy Reese could really do, he's going to have the quarterback. He would have had the quarterback there now. You're getting Sam Hartman from uh, Wake Forest, you know, a 45-year-old veteran quarterback who's been around for forever and, you know, operated a high-powered offense without, you know, the most talent in the world. But Notre Dame's going to be vertical more. They're going to start stretching it out a little bit. So it's a little bit, let's see if it's a, if a situation where maybe Marcus Freeman, and like you said, maybe they were too predictable. And you, if you've got a guy like Hartman, you're going to start throwing it more. You're going to start running a, a more pro-style looking offense where you are going to open it up a bit. Whereas Alabama, I kind of think Nick Saban in his, his wise old age, he might want to pivot back a little bit, where you know they they went from being the greatest, you know, arguably one of the greatest defensive runs in college football history, but without a, a, you know a high-powered quarterback, to now having becoming a quarterback factory, where they did embrace uh, the the new world of the passing game, where I think they're going to step it back just to dial it back a little bit, get more back to running, focus a little more on defense, and I'm not going to say be conservative. But just kind of change things up just a little tweak. And I do think Reese kind of represents the philosophy that Saban's going to want there. And at Notre Dame, they're going to pivot the other way. I, I think you're going to start seeing a lot more downfield passing and a lot more fun in their offense. You know what's fascinating is watching what's going on in college football. And obviously the conference affiliation thing, everything's going crazy. I know that uh, Oklahoma and Texas were trying to get out early. And get yep. and and that has been shot down. Um, what 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 is going to happen here? With are we ending up? What is the future? Are we ending up with two giant conferences? Is there more teams that will be relevant, or is it all coming down to NIL and and the way you acquire players? As I keep putting it, ending up with we've been there for like thirty years. I mean, the forty four percent of the NFL draft is. Uh, SEC and Big Ten, uh, it, it's there. I mean, we're already at that place. What's going to happen is the, the group of five conferences really are going to be lessened just by leaps and bounds. You have the move of uh, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF to the Big 12. You are going to see some realignment. The, the Pac-12 is going to have to figure something else out fast because you don't just replace uh, USC and UCLA. Uh, and look, they can try to moneyball this. You know, you can't replace Giambi, but maybe with, say, San Diego State, UNLV, uh, and maybe like a Fresno State or a Boise State, you can start to uh, kind of work your way back up to getting the markets. Because it's, it's really about TV markets, or it's really about fan bases, and it's really about prestige. And, you know, while, yes, the SEC is the best football conference, obviously, the Big Ten is just the the monster when it comes to the business side of this, when it comes to coast to coast markets. Now, you know, for whatever there is college football wise in New York, the Big Ten's got it. Uh, they got Chicago, obviously, you've got the Midwest and now they got LA. So now they're going coast to coast with what they're going to be doing with this. I have said from the start, I, this is my tinfoil hat at thing that I, will, that I will stand by until it doesn't happen. I Until Texas actually is in the SEC, I'm still not quite buying it because it just it makes no sense. 
from a uh, an academic prestige standpoint, the Big Ten is so aligned with everything Texas would want to be because again, big giant school, big giant alumni base, uh, and just in terms of academic level, if they when they go to the SEC. They're going to be, let's say, the second best academic uh, institution behind Vanderbilt. Maybe Florida, kind of technically, if you believe in certain rankings. But it's certainly, you know, it goes to the Big Ten. Now you're aligned, you know, with Northwestern, with Michigan, with Wisconsin, with, you know, uh, Ohio State now, actually. And now all these high-end academic schools that just fits the profile. Oklahoma, I do get. I, I do get why they would do that. But from all every possible aspect, I will be shocked if Texas is not at least given a push by somebody in the Big Ten offices because it just makes too much sense. Back to Notre Dame, I've seen a lot of names mentioned, wide range of experience levels and, and certainly guys who may not fit and guys who might be perfect fits. Not sure NFL names as well. What are you hearing about what Notre Dame will do and how big of a job is that because it's a good one as you point out but it's also one that's going to get a lot of scrutiny you for the offensive coordinator position yes yeah um it is i mean because look you know this is this is going to be a high profile team now i i do i'm a believer in marcus freeman it's it you knew this is going to be a little bit of a rocky start only because he is young he wasn't experienced as a head coach and you know i was never a brian kelly fan personally but the guy is a whale of a football coach and he did big things at Notre Dame and it's you're not just going to quickly replace the success that he had there but you needed to kind of take that step back to potentially take a, a, a bigger leap forward where Notre Dame was great but then you saw what would happen when they went against the you know when it was rolling Clemson's and the Alabamas of the world where there was just a hard ceiling it couldn't bust through well, Freeman's starting to get the talent there. He's starting to get the talent there to work with, again, in, a, in like you mentioned before, in an NIL world, in the transfer portal world, when you can get guys like Sam Hartman who can step in and, and produce. And you can get the guys who can step in right away. You want a offensive coordinator who is going to see this as that stepping stone to a, a bigger gig and a, and a head coaching job so they can cast the widest net possible where I do think they can, if I were them, I, I, and if I'm Marcus Freeman, I would almost go with go flip it around. I would actually almost go with a Bill O'Brien type, like a a, a former ex head coach who uh, really has the offensive chops. You know what they're gonna do. Who knows? Who's been around the block a million times? Who can really sort of help Freeman as he keeps this thing going uh, until he gets a few more years under his belt, and then you just start rock and rolling from there. But I do think you get a guy who's gonna make this a fun and exciting offense because Marcus Freeman. He has made this, he's given this a new energy and a new boost. And I, I think Notre Dame now has to start positioning itself as, yeah, it can, it should be able to recruit with the Georges and the Alabamas of the world. And when it comes to money and NIL and all that and exposure, they should be right up there with everybody else when it comes to the new world of college football. And Marcus Freeman seems like the perfect coach to be there. And an offensive coordinator would absolutely love to, to get his hands on this thing. So, so Pete, we're here in Chicago with the number one overall pick in the draft, a thing for the Bears, and we keep hoping that one quarterback sort of reaches, it becomes a part of some sort of a, uh, a, 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 a push to get him, a, a, a bidding war, if you will, for the Bears, who probably could 
afford to trade down, pick up as many assets as possible, and, and maybe still grab a, a defensive stalwart. Who, who would that quarterback be? Is there any quarterback? This is not a draft where Joe Burrow is there or where uh, Peyton Manning is there and you know that everybody wants someone. Who's more likely to end up that player based on what you've seen? I someone's you're right, then I right. Someone's gotta fall in love. And it's gonna happen because you do have and you're gonna have jockeying for position because you've got a lot of teams out there that are gonna want some of these quarterbacks. No, there it might not be a uh, you know, Joe Burrow's a, I still is shocked that Joe Burrow was as much, and obviously turned out to be great. I didn't think he was the sure thing that he's now turned out to be. But in terms of generational, guy, must have. We've got to move up to get him. There isn't a Peyton Manning. However, if you're looking at what's coming down the pike next year and yep. what's there right now, this is a far stronger class than like Kenny Pickett of last year. I mean, there are, you know, whether it's Stroud, whether it's Will Levis, whether it's Bryce Young, whether it's Anthony Richardson, this is a phenomenal class. And so you do think that you're going to have someone who's going to want to move up just to make sure that they, they secure their guy. I would think that when it comes down to if the best quarterback in this thing is uh, is Bryce Young. The problem is, and it's the same problem I had with Tua Tungaviola, if you can promise me you're going to get 100 games, 100 starts out of this guy, he's the number one pick. He's just the most talented guy out there, but he's just so small, which is the problem with Tua was he, he just couldn't stay healthy in college, uh, and obviously he can't do that in the NFL. Bryce Young doesn't have an injury problem, but he's just, he's not a he's not the most mobile of quarterbacks. He is a pocket passer and a small guy, but he is going to be the sharpest, smartest guy out there who is instantly going to be great. To me, he's the best of the bunch. But when they get Will Levis into the whole process of the you know the uh, the workouts, the private workouts, even the combine, if he ends up going, he is going to look the part of with the arm strength, the size, the mobility. Someone's going to see him and be like, yeah, there's, that's what a, a professional starting quarterback looks like. And then the wild card is in all this. When Anthony Richardson starts going through this process, and you kind of see all the tools that this guy has, he's Josh Allen except maybe more athletic. And remember the knockout of Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming was he wasn't accurate enough. He was only like a 55% passer. Uh, coming out of Wyoming, and obviously that hasn't been a problem. Where with Richardson, if he could just get a few more at-bats, where he can just throw a little bit more, get more time logged in, where he can become a more consistent passer, he's got all the skill set there. And again, to, to take this to an even higher level, Jalen Hurts, you know, obviously he you know rehabbed his game when he went to Oklahoma, but when he, he was done at Alabama, there was no way he looked like he was going to be an NFL passer. He had every other aspect to his game except the the consistent throwing, and obviously that turned out to be more than just fine. So I do think there's going to be at least one of these quarterbacks that someone's going to fall in love with, and and, and uh, Chicago can absolutely trade down. Pete, thanks a ton. We'll let you go just on the way out. Um, I'm curious of your take on Justin Fields. He ended up being a better runner than he was at Oklahoma. I mean, it, some of the plays he made this year were amazing, but he needs that Jalen Hurts kind of breakthrough year as a passer to seal the deal. Yeah, I still think that the uh, it still holds true. We still don't know what you got. I mean, the running side of things is great, but the the the, the argument against Justin Fields and Ohio State quarterbacks, even more than in Alabama, even more than any other of these you know football factory places, was 
at Ohio State, you're working behind the best offensive line in the country, and you're throwing to three first-round wide receivers. And where the good about Justin Fields is also sort of the bad. The guy is tough as hell, and he took a beating at Ohio State because he could wait that extra second for his you know top ten overall pick uh, wide receiver to get open. He needs those wide receivers in place to be able to do that with the Bears so you can see what you got with him. Great stuff. Thanks so much, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Later, guys. That is Pete Futek, and uh, uh, interesting to get his perspective on everything. Pete does a uh, a real good job with uh, with uh, his work with college football news. Alabama's going through some sort of metamorphosis down there with Nick Saban's staff. Kevin Steele was added as a defensive coordinator. Yeah. They're reunited, and Tommy Reese joins that staff after Bill O'Brien left. And high expectations. We understand it from Reese's perspective. I, I do – I have been surprised at the reaction in South Bend. I think there was initial shock just because Tommy Reese played quarterback there. He is considered an up-and-comer. He's 30 years old, and you don't leave Notre Dame necessarily. But he was blocked, and there there's an element of of, of the fan base and alum alumni base represented by Tim Brown that thought the offense was really predictable. Well, I mean, here's the problem. Um, my Both my brothers went to Notre Dame. They were stunned. Notre Dame, unfortunately, has become more of a launching pad than it has become a job where you, you know, get there and and you've got everything, right? Brian Kelly jumps to LSU for money, but also because he can get anybody in school and he's more likely to win a national championship at LSU. It's the access to the title. That's what it is. And Tommy Reese just increased his access to a title. He's going to get it. They haven't won one at Notre Dame since 1988. Right. So as much as the prestige and they hate still exists, that. David, they they hate, hate I know that. they hate hearing that. They've hated hearing that for the last oh what, thirty-five years. See, it's been such a long time that this shouldn't shock anybody when stuff like this happens. Tommy Reese is going to Alabama because he can more likely win a national championship and more likely become a head coach because the cachet is greater now. Will that happen? Will it backfire? Did he just increase the level of uh, scrutiny because he's working for Nick Saban? Yeah, but I mean that's understandable. They come calling. You got to go. You got to go. It's as simple as that. Speaking of college football coaching moves, you know Pat Fitzgerald has had a tough couple of years at Northwestern, and we waited for this off season because of the staff moves that we waited for him to make. He went to the FCS to get new coaches, which is interesting because you wondered, again, where are you going to go if you're Northwestern? New defensive coordinator, David Braun, comes from North Dakota State. He hired a defensive line coach, which these guys have great reputations, but Christian Smith is from South Dakota State. So isn't that interesting? In a very pivotal offseason for Fitz, he's going to try to improve his staff by going to the FCS which is just, I mean, you find great coaches anywhere, but they're not guys like, in this case, we're compared, you know, Alabama went to Notre Dame to get their offensive coordinator. Well, the question about that then, David, would be, are you are you insinuating or suggesting in any way that he couldn't get coaches from the big-time Well, programs? I'm wondering that. I think it's a or, fair question. Or is he, you know, the kind of guy that likes to to, to scout and develop? I think he's probably a degree of both yeah. in the answer because I think you do understand where he's coming from. Good coaches, you can find great coaches at any level. Just because the size of the program doesn't mean about what type of coach you're going to be. At the same time, 
when recruiting and NIL and brand name is so important, you wonder about their recruiting history and their, their recruiting experience. And so anybody is this, I don't say the best he could do, but at this stage of the, this program, you wonder about who would want to come to Northwestern just given the last two years, they've, the way they've struggled. 312-644-6767. That's the telephone number. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Molly and Haw on the score. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 the score. Did you watch the Emmys yesterday, David? A lot of Emmy stuff. Grammys, the Grammys. I'm sorry, the yeah, Grammys. the Grammys. How do you Grammys. not? How do you not watch at least a little bit of the Grammys? I saw the Stevie Wonder, um, and uh, who's your guy? The guy, the guitarist. Uh, what's his name? The Tennessee whiskey guy, Chris Stapleton. Yeah, I he he performed with Stevie. I love those kind of connect things, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, like they're doing like a mashup. It's kind of fun. It, it is very cool. You're going to see Chris Stapleton again. He's going to sing the anthem at the Super Bowl. Stevie Wonder, man. Can you? Oh, my gosh. I mean, what an incredible career. He was so good that I, I think that Ben Affleck even almost smiled. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. And uh, and, and uh, Barry Gordy was there. How old is Barry Gordy? He's got to be, I mean, he's got to be in his 90s, right? Just based on, and I think Smokey, who performed, is in his 80s. Unbelievable. I, it was just, a, it was very Unbelievable. Cool. It was very I, cool. I uh, got a kick out of seeing uh, Madonna, I was a big Madonna fan back in the day. Yeah, you know, I she's playing here this summer, I believe. I think I will probably try to go to that. Look at you. Uh, I remember when she was at Soldier Field the first time, way back in nineteen, I think it was eighty six or eighty seven. Holy cow! The Who's That Girl tour. Oh my god! So, <laughs> not that I remember that or oh anything. How about the moment when uh, they brought the, the the Rock out to meet Adele? Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, that was super weird. And then, then The Rock was sitting behind uh, Trevor Noah, whatever, d- at different points in the show. And it's just like, look at the size of The Rock. He, he literally Massive. is, he's just, he's behind him and he's over here at a table and he's twice the size of everybody. He works out twice a day. Oh my I mean, This God. guy is just ripped. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Uh, obviously. Adele had never met The Rock. It was funny. She always wanted to meet The Rock and they brought him out. And she won uh, for the best performance in by I think she she won a Grammy last night. Everyone so did Beyonce. Yeah, Beyonce. Beyonce didn't she win like the most Grammys ever or something? She, she did. Just, she set a record. That's pretty good. I think that will be something. Then she got st- stuck in traffic. That was a big suspense, right? When, when yeah, was she, she get wasn't there? there for the first uh, award and you know. entertaining. Always but a little bit I different. But then I saw Jay Z uh, there, so I knew she must have arrived. I know that you're a big Harry Styles guy. Didn't you go to that concert this no, summer? No, no. But my wife and daughters did. My wife he was loves here for like Harry a week, Styles, right? And I'm kind of getting nervous. He was like in Chicago he forever. Wild? Hasn't he already kind of broken up a marriage? Harry, what are you sure. doing? Yeah. Um, I, you know what song I really loved was that I can't get it out of my head that Steve Lacey song, uh, "Bad Habits." I, I, for some reason, that song's been in my head for two days, and it's driving me crazy, frankly. But I keep muttering that song to myself. 
and he was there last night. Did he win anything? I, I probably. I left it. If some you were point. there, you probably won. Yeah, I don't think. Except he for J Lo, she wasn't up for anything. She just was a presenter, and she had to sit next to Ben Affleck. I don't think she had to. I think that well, they, they may well have. I, I don't know, that. but some of the photos I saw, it looked like they both were forced to be there. Yeah, he, they kind of rekindled the nightmare. He didn't look overly happy. He didn't look very thrilled at all. Yeah, and I, so but he didn't look. He's a he's a movie guy. He Maybe looked, he's not a music guy. He you looks know? sober, like angry sober, <laughs> and that's good. I'm just saying he's had some <laughs> that's issues, a bad thing. right? No, no. Hey. I'm, I'm happy. I watched. A lot of people thought those two I, crazy kids wouldn't make it. I stayed. I stayed with it longer than I thought I would. But after the Pro Bowl, I f- figured anything could be better. Oh my god! Anything would be better after wasting at least a half an hour watching that flag football extravaganza. So nonsense. we just talked to to uh, Pete Futek about the Notre Dame yeah. uh, offense coordinator job, David. And I don't know if you have anybody in mind for that job. And he said, you know, kind of the idea get a former head coach type. What about Paul Christ? The Wisconsin head the Wisconsin head coach who was fired, who is an offensive guy, and um he is making I think a, he got eleven million to leave Wisconsin. Wouldn't he be a great guy to add to that staff to to give him complete control over the offense? I've seen and, that name floated. Wouldn't that be a good I, one? I think it would be one that definitely would have an impact in terms of you're getting stability, you're getting yeah. a guy with a reputation. I don't know how that would be with recruiting. Everything that Marcus Freeman does is going to be related to recruiting. How would it affect recruiting? Paul Chris is a guy who's definitely a proven head coach. He's coming off a job that, you know, it was a surprise that they made a move at the time they did it. Um, Offensive-minded, yes. I, I would think that would be smart, especially with the veteran quarterback they have coming in, if you're trying to capitalize on that you would have a very quick adaptation for everybody. I don't know what direction he's going to go, though, because Marcus Freeman's never made a hire this big before. Yeah. So this well, is he's never one. done anything before. Well, I mean, not, I'm just saying it's his first head yeah. coaching. I didn't mean that that he hasn't done anything. I mean, he had been a defensive coordinator. I'm just saying he these are all firsts for him in his career. It is. And I'll say that the, the Christ possibility makes more sense to me than – one of the names floated in, on one of the several lists uh, available over the weekend, uh, Byron Leftwich's name was out there. And wow. certainly that would be a splash hire. That would be a guy that would get the attention of a lot of people. You don't know what um, that would mean to recruiting. It probably would be another one of those boosts in terms of the, the profile. I know Dame which sounds kind of silly to say out loud. You're boosting the profile of that job. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, though. Because it's more of a college job, he's more you know used to the NFL. Um, Here, here's the thing: approach and atmosphere and environment. When you talk about um, Marcus Freeman, um, this is his biggest decision that he's made at Notre Dame because he inherited uh, Tommy Reese. Right? Tommy Reese was there, opted not to go with Brian Kelly, had the chance to, and and Marcus Freeman, you know, happily has the same his the guy that he was working with remain at the school now he is for the first time you think about it you get a job as a head coach and you're a defensive guy what's the first question who's your oc yeah. so your- now he has to answer that question and it's it's him going out and picking it and i'll be very curious to see if he wants someone that has experience if he wants someone that is going to kind of acquiesce to whatever he uh would want i mean does he want a a, a 
a guy that is more experienced as a head coach than he is. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it's an interesting Can't hurt. idea. I think that would be a, a wise move to do that. You could never have too much experience on your staff. And when you look back at the Tommy Reese staying at Notre Dame instead of going with Brian Kelly, that was Marcus Freeman's big, uh, his first big recruiting coup was being able to convince Tommy Reese to stay. Right, right. That was smart. That provided you a level of stability that you liked. In terms of recruiting, it paid off in a big way because I think that's the one thing that Tommy Reese became pretty good at that I think maybe people didn't anticipate. But now now I think you can look at the job a little bit differently. It, it, there were times at Marcus Freeman's first year where, especially early, there were some questions about whether or not he was the guy. Right. Now, if he removed those doubts by the end of the year, and I don't know if you ever remove those doubts at Notre Dame for a while, um, then he would feel more comfortable bringing in maybe some experience to lean on to help him he, get through some difficult times. Did he remove those doubts? Well, I think that the way that they, they finished gave him reason to believe. Molly, when you lose two games at home, to they lost to Marshall, right? I know, I know. So it, it would not be hard to go anywhere but up or to finish right. on the upswing. But he right. did that yeah. with, with pretty good success. And I think he has at least removed some of the doubts that had really started to, you know, mount I, yeah, heavily. I mean, we talked about it with Indiana's reaction to beating Purdue and how glorious that was for the students and, and the reaction – um, didn't you think Notre Dame a couple times celebrated a, like they'd won a national championship when in reality they weren't even connected to a national championship? Well, I, I had no problem with that. Okay. I, I had no problem with that because All I right. think these kids are not going to be held responsible for the tradition that preceded them. So if they're excited about the fact that they they, they won a game uh, after they watched their team lose to Marshall or whoever the case may be, then celebrate. They're 18 to 22-year-old kids. That's okay. I I don't have a problem with that. You know, the other name I want to mention, though, before we forget, that's on every list that I have seen, and it would be, be delicious irony, Charlie Weiss Jr. Charlie Weiss Jr. is – Where is he? He's at Mississippi. And he's the co-offensive coordinator at Ole Miss. So he has that experience, and he's worked his way up the ranks, you know, we talk about Tommy Reese being 30, Charlie Weiss Jr. is 29. Mm. So he has some experience already in five seasons as, as an offensive coordinator at Ole Miss, South Florida, Florida Atlantic. He has, you know, obviously been around some real innovative offensive minds in his living room. And if he went to Notre Dame, I think they would have a decided schematic advantage. Yeah, okay, yes. <laughs> Just like know. his dad said they would. I know. I remember the, I, I, you know. And, I don't know if that's true. I, I and think listen, it, you know, a lot of people think, you know, cronyism, nepotism, like what are you doing? The reality is that if you're a football coach, you spend pretty much your entire life at the facility. If you have a family, you bring your kids with you. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, a lot of football people uh, have been in football and they learn, like, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's the equivalent, but. Kyle Shanahan is Mike Shanahan's son, right? So you are around your dad, you're around football, you learn a lot, you become, you know, a, a football guy, even if you're not a football player. You know, I think Kyle Shanahan went to went to uh, Texas and and did some uh, did some 
work with the football program, but I don't think he was a player. Was he a player? I don't, I don't think he was big enough to be a player. No. So, But you're around the game. You can become a pretty damn good coach or, or talent evaluator just from being around people doing it. So I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, hiring someone who happened to happen to become a football coach without being a football it's a good player. point absolutely that, that's valid and I think you make some good uh, reasons why the the hot name that I think that if you could get him would be considered a coup because you would steal him away Jeff Lebby is at Oklahoma and so you look at his past and the way that that would be um, viewed in the recruiting ranks in the college football world he's a name to keep an eye on so it's it's a great job uh, I even saw I think it was uh, the LSU former offense coordinator, I think now with the Bills, Joe Brady's name uh, associated with the right, Notre Dame job right. because it would be viewed not I, uh, certainly on the level of Alabama's offensive coordinator because we saw that that's a step up. But the no- Notre Dame offensive coordinator position, if you win there, you do it loudly and you would get an opportunity to move on. So you're right when you referred to it as a stepping stone. It would be a stepping stone. 312-644-6767 is the number. We're going to bring in, I believe, uh, Dan and Lawrence and have a conversation with them. We'll uh, go over some of this stuff. I, I I think it's really interesting. I think the, the Northwestern thing fascinates me, and, and there was a good story in The Athletic about uh, other teams that have tapped into the FCS. And, you know – Maybe you don't win the news conference with that sort of thing when you hire guys that people don't know about, but maybe you win in the long run. Well, let me be clear. I was not criticizing that because I do think you can find great coaches at smaller programs that just lack the notoriety that some of the other guys at bigger programs have and certainly the salary. So Fitz going to FCS for for you know his defensive staff isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just a different thing. So it could work. And they're in a position now, they've got to try just to get the best person qualified to help change things around because this program is at a crossroads. All right, we're going to talk to Dan and Lawrence next. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 